there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sensing soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my words in I'll be reading Psalm 36 in the English Standard Version. To the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked. Deep in his heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He blots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Well, hello and welcome. That may very well have been the manliest reading of a psalm that we have done (laughs) so far. Um, I feel encouraged. Uh, so you guys, uh, that was neither me nor Grant nor Justin. That was our new friend, uh, Kyle Thompson, uh, reading that Psalm today. He is the, uh, the host of the podcast undaunted life. And, uh, from what I understand, you need to put undaunted life when you're searching or you come up with a bunch of, uh, really girly podcasts about, uh, look for the lion, look for the lion, look for the lion. Absolutely. So Kyle, welcome. Uh, we are so glad to have you on today. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I met Kyle this week uh, online. Uh, yeah, well, through email. I said, hey, Kyle, would you like to be on our show sometime? He said, yeah, I can record Saturday. And, <laughs> and here we are. So we are. Uh, I heard you on, uh, on John Cooper's podcast, which is one of my favorites. And uh, you mentioned uh, an episode on your podcast about worship music, and I went through and listened to that one, and I'm um, very, very excited to, to kind of dive into that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, episode first, 176. For 176. Playing along at home of the Undaunted.life podcast. Absolutely. Uh, so I would like to first and foremost uh, ask you uh, some of our favorite questions. What is your music recommendations? 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of an eclectic music listener, as I'm sure most people say. They say that because the word eclectic sounds cool when you say it out loud. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm eclectic. I love all things. I love all movies. I'm whatever. But the thing about it is uh, over 50% of the time that I'm listening to music, it's metal music. And no, I don't mean stuff that you listen to on the radio. And so, and, and of course, I'm not hating on Skillet. I, I love John, but way heavier than that type of music. And so uh, I kind of came up in the underground Christian metal scene. And so, you know, that was like bands like Zayo and Extol and Living Sacrifice. And that's kind of where I really was like, okay, this is my music. For whatever reason, this is what really appeals to me. So I'll just give uh, a recommendation in interest of time of a band that I was just turned on to this week, right? So let's talk about it right this week. You know, what is, what is it? Second week of June, 2021. It's a band called Convictions. And so they are a brutally heavy band. And, and I don't know if all their stuff is as heavy, but they just released an EP. I'll look it up uh, right here. Let's see. What's the name of the EP? It is I Won't Survive. So it's like seven or eight songs or whatever. Yeah, seven songs. And goodness gracious, that is some of the heaviest music in the entirety of the Christian space. And so for any of you guys that are out there that are maybe like, oh, I don't really like metal. That's kind of too aggressive for me go ahead and listen to a song or two with the lyrics next to you. Cause that's why I like bands like for today and impending doom and bands like that. It's because you're going to get way more out of that than I would ever get out of listening to Hillsong or Bethel. And so th those would be my recommendations for you guys. Yeah. I like the acoustic guitar. You don't, you don't hear that a lot in, in, in metal music. I don't think. Hey, I like the acoustic guitar as well. And there is a time and a place for that. Yeah, and it's absolutely. just whenever I'm looking to like, you know, get myself ready to go, like really fired up, you know, the acoustic guitar just doesn't have that same impact on oh, my absolutely. soul. So. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that uh, I, I love how God has created us all as individuals, how there's not right. a wrong <laughs> music taste genre. There's not a right. Uh, everyone can listen to what they want to. So how did you get into metal? I mean, uh, I was listening to some of your podcasts. You mentioned you are, first of all, right here, hometown, Oklahoma City, uh, like me. Uh, and uh, you grew up in the Church of Christ singing uh, unaccompanied songs. And you came out like as a metalhead, perhaps. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself that. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly call myself metalhead. I'm not, I'm not at all offended by by that. And to say I came up in any kind of church would be a little bit disingenuous on my part because you know my mom started kind of forcing us to go to church when I was in sixth or seventh grade. And every Sunday morning, it was like, please, please, just let her sleep in, let her forget. Like, so I really started going to church on my own to a Baptist church. You know, when I was in like you know eighth grade type of a thing. And the guys that were just in that youth group were metalheads. And so my, one of my good buddies who ended up being a lifelong friend, he let me borrow two albums to take home and check out. It was Society's Finest. I think it was their first album. And it was Living Sacrifice Reborn. And I put Living Sacrifice in immediately. And I played the song Reborn Empowered. And from that point forward, I just understood that that was my genre. Because before that, it's like, you know, I wanted to listen to Metallica. But like, you know, when I was in elementary school, that's like when Refuel came out. 
So like I, I had to go back and find the black album and find, you know, master of puppets and ride the lightning and some of those, you know, albums or something like that. And so up to that point, living sacrifice was the heaviest thing I'd ever heard. And it's just like, you know, when some people drink coffee for the first time or whiskey for the first time, or some obscure sushi for the first time, it either agrees with your palate or it doesn't. And you know, that style of music has certainly agreed with my palate and it's carried me through even, even into the age I am today. That's awesome. Uh, and quite the story. I mean, uh, you came from uh, kind of like, so it sounds like more of a um, various church background from uh, Church of Christ a little bit, but more so this Baptist uh, Baptist group. And you kind of came into the metal scene, the Christian metal scene through that. Did, I know you have a in your ministry, you have a big focus on manliness and men in the church. Is that conviction, did that come from those early years as well? Seeing how uh, people acted in the church, how men acted in the church, or was that later on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I go into that in a lot of episodes of my podcast and, you know, some of the words I use aren't always everyone's favorite, but like episode four of my podcast is still the most listened to episode. It's called Pussies in the Pews. And part of my philosophy comes from the fact that around the same age, I became a Christian, right? Around the age of 14. That's when you're finding out what it means to be a man. But whenever I looked at the other men in the church, they weren't manly in the way that I was expecting, right? I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting all of them to walk in there like gunslingers, like, all right, let's get our women and whiskey and get out of here. Like, I wasn't thinking it was going to be one of those things, but it was like, everyone was just kind of doughy and like, just very soft-spoken and effeminate. And I never saw that other side to them, right? I saw a lot of Lamb of God. I saw no Lion of Judah. And so I think I just assumed it's a false dichotomy, I realized, but I just assumed growing up that you can either be manly or you can be a Christian. You can't be both. And so as I developed and as I grew and as I, you know, read and, and kind of studied and things like that, obviously those are two things that, you know, you can be at the same time because Jesus was incredibly manly and incredibly godly, you know, the whole God thing, part of the triune. But that was kind of the thing with with me growing up is that was a, a, a point of contention for me. And I didn't even realize it probably until my, my mid twenties that man, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only guy that walks into a, a church and is like, ah, I just don't know if these are my people. Right. And so yeah. like, and I think a lot of guys are going to miss out on who Jesus is because of the way some of their, some of his followers present themselves. Right. And then we can get into a gigantic debate about the theology of the Holy Spirit and whether or not, you know, Calvinism, this and that, and whether they were pre-chosen pre or whatever that. I'm just saying there are a lot of guys that are rough around the edges, guys that I trained jujitsu with, guys that are in the metal scene, guys that are former military. Sorry, the singing to God, singing to Jesus like he's your boyfriend, singing to God like he's this cute little baby lion. I'm sorry, that just doesn't appeal to most guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you mentioned jujitsu. So I assume that like, you don't, you wouldn't listen to, you know, Bethel and Hillsong when training jujitsu. Uh, no, that doesn't normally make it on the playlist. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, really it should never make it on the playlist, but definitely not in jujitsu. Yeah. It, it right. wouldn't exactly uh, give you that same fire. Right. Yeah. Um, we kind of all three of us have agreed that especially those particular bands, uh, they don't they don't make it onto your playlist for for a multitude of reasons but I, i'm really interested in the uh 
in the angle that, that you've kind of come up with uh, that you that you're coming with is, is that those songs are very effeminate. You know, they they do sing uh, very much about like the the beauty or even like the the loveliness of of God. And I, I couldn't tell you how many like how often you have love as the as the focus which god is love and so because god is love he sure. should be the focus or that should be the focus to to a degree but it's it's got to be in in the, in the right context and it almost never right. is um well there's to that end i'm okay with an emphasis on emotions i'm not okay with an overemphasis on emotions mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that I got into on that because a lot of this modern worship, and I, I made this point in episode 176 of the podcast, it's me focused, right? Mm-hmm. How does God feel about me? How do I feel about me in God's presence? Is God's bosom warm enough for me? Like it's that kind of a thing. And guys mm-hmm. just don't, it just doesn't really uh, agree with them and they don't know it. The, the emails I've gotten guys and the, the DMs from, from men that are like, I've been in church my whole life and I never could put words around my feelings until I listened to that one episode, right? I, I get more feedback on that episode recently than, than most episodes that I've done over the last several months. And that is, that is partially the reason it's because like, yes, these emotions are fine. God is love. And this is normally where people are like, oh, so guys shouldn't know about the Lamb of God. They should only think about the Lion of Judah. It's like, no. But when you only talk about Jesus as if he's this unilateral, one singular thing, this Lamb of God that he was just literally prancing around like, ooh, blessing people and, you know, sprinkling Jesus dust on them and all that. It's like, no. Can we talk about the tables? Can we talk about how he turned over the tables? Because my favorite part of that story, guys, is it said he cleared the temple with a what? With a whip. A whip. With a whip. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember earlier in the story where it described Jesus walking into the temple already having a whip on him? Do you remember that part of the story? <laughs> no. Because it's not in the story. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lion of Judah, left the temple. He either went and got a whip or he went and made a whip and then came back. It was premeditated righteous aggression. And how many times have you heard it framed that way? I remember that, you know, like History Channel or whatever released some, you know, Bible story thing a few years back. And I was so looking forward to that scene of Jesus turning over the tables. And here it was, white, blonde haired, dirty, blue eyed, you know, Jesus just kind of, oh, like he was so sad. Like I have to turn over these tables because they're offending me. It's like, no, no one in the temple tried to stop Jesus when he was doing this. Think about the level of aggression someone would have to show if they busted in to your Sunday school or busted into your Bible study or busted into your place of work and just went crazy, started turning over tables. And for the men in there not to even think about reacting. Think about how you would have to present yourself for that to be going through your mind. Like, bro, go ahead, take, take my pigeons out of here, take, you know, turn over my tables. I don't want any part of that. That's who Jesus is. That's the Lion of yeah. Judah. We don't get that for most of the music that we sing in church, though. No, we absolutely don't. Amen. There's a, uh, there's a song. It's uh, near and dear to, to all of us uh, by a band called My Soul Among Lions. Are you familiar with this band? Um, I'm not. They, they're, they are a uh, really look, probably a country-leaning band. Uh, his accent is, is very, very thick, but he uh, writes on the Psalms. And his uh, Psalm 2 song is, there's a line in it that we just, it, it's just fascinating. It's straight out of scripture, but it's, um, you know, it's, 
my, my son just asked me, and I'll give the nations of the earth to you, to rule them with a mighty iron rod, to dash them all to pieces and to ground them into dirt until you spread your fame and power and love abroad um, to all the nations bow before the Son of God. And just listening to that uh, is just uh, like, I, I want to sing that song in church, but I know it won't. Like, I, I, I just contemplate what in the world would people react to that? Like, how in the world would people respond to that? Would they get really uncomfortable? Or would they rise and cheer? Because that's that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to be singing. Wouldn't you want them to become a little bit uncomfortable? I think that's part of the problem with yeah. modern churches is everyone's really, really comfortable. They're comfortable mm-hmm. in their same seat. They're comfortable talking to the same people. They're, some, they're comfortable going out to lunch with the same folks after church. They're comfortable, right? There's nothing comfortable about the gospel, right? No. And, and we, see, we see that if you're too comfortable, I mean, Satan's probably not worried about you. Right. Uh, and if yeah. you're going to be a bold voice for Jesus in any type of context, it's going to be very difficult to assume that everything is just going to you're just going to skate by and everything's going to be easy. So oh, yeah. I think there should be that level of discomfort. Right. And now some worship leaders do that by singing different songs literally every single week. And, you know, that causes some consternation for people because they never get used to the music. And so they think, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll do different songs every week. We'll just sing the chorus 27 times and then that'll be great everyone will just like everyone will figure it out and then we won't sing that song again for 18 months and it's not really the type of discomfort that i'm describing because i feel like people should be uncomfortable with some of the words that they're singing i they should be singing the songs because a lot of that is incredibly aggressive and ladies singing these songs and effeminate men singing these songs are going to be a little bit uncomfortable and that's okay yeah absolutely so in your uh episode 176, you mentioned eight problems with contemporary worship music that I think might be worth mentioning just to kind of um, help other our listeners uh, be introduced a little bit to some of these things that you're talking about. And would love to get kind of like your, your perspective on each one of these as we go, if that's okay. Sure, fire away. Yeah, so number one, it is the reason that people go to a particular church or support a particular ministry. So what, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, what do you mean that contemporary worship music is the reason that people just go to a particular church? Well, let me ask you, are you a Bethel person or are you a Hillsong person? That's, <laughs> a, that's an honest question that people will put out there on Facebook or in the blogosphere. Hey, what type of a worship person are you? Right? Oh, I'm not really much of a this person. I'm a that person. Well, think about it in your local community. Well, I'm not really much of a, of a life church person. I'm more of a church on the rock type person. That's that's an Oklahoma City reference that anyone outside Oklahoma City probably doesn't understand. But that's going to kind of give, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's going to kind of give you an idea of of the of the of kind of where you are. So you're identifying with a style of worship, right? And then I, I think I made the point in the podcast where it's like, how many times have you heard someone say they switched churches? And one of the reasons listed was, well, I didn't really like the music at the other church. Yeah, that happens um, probably more than we all care to admit. And uh, music is not the reason that we should be uh, choosing a church necessarily. It's it's definitely not something, you know, the reason that we're singing is not for ourselves, it's for God. And the reason that we worship is because God has commanded us to worship. And so when we kind of like pile on and pick a church because, uh, oh man, they're playing the style of music that just really gets me going. Um, that can be a problem. I totally get it. Sure. Uh, so you put, you said also that it puts the attention on you, not God. Um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but um, 
yeah, did you, what do you mean? Like, are all these songs me focused or are there some good ones there that you've noticed that are like, yes, this one actually has to focus in the right spot. Yeah. If you just read through it lyrically, and I think at the top of that episode, I'd actually read some lyrics and it's like, okay, it, it almost sounded like somebody, like if you took out the name of God or name of Jesus and entered, entered the name Larry or something like that, it'd be like, oh, this is a guy that, you know, wrote a love letter for his boyfriend like that. That's cute. And so I think a lot of these songs, it's, it's about how God and Jesus makes me feel. And so when, when you look at in, you know, I, I can't think of a, of a specific song off the top of my head because I don't spend a lot of time listening to that music unless I'm being forced to. But a, a lot of it is just, yeah, look, look at me. How does Jesus feel about me? It is not anything focused on the grandeur of who God is. Hey guys, Justin here. I just want to kind of point out what happened in this episode. Um, We want to thank Kyle so much for coming on uh, and especially with putting up with us. Uh, We had some technical difficulties due to the new tool that we're kind of building and testing out um, on Dario. And one thing that happened was we tested a new functionality uh, I myself should have had a backup in place and did not. So you'll have to forgive me there. But um, we actually lost a good portion of the end of the interview with Kyle from Undaunted Life. Uh, so just wanted to give a sincere apology to Kyle, and but also a thank you for coming on. Um, what you're about to hear is me and the guys getting back together to record a follow-up. So uh, we decided to... Uh, record a follow-up later on in the day, not knowing what had happened. But I do have to say that that, uh, that quote there that Kyle ended on was pretty solid. Um, so we did get a lot of good content out of it. Um, again, deepest apologies there to Kyle. And thank you so much for coming on. Maybe we can do it again sometime. But uh, enjoy the rest of this episode uh, where we follow up on the conversation, talk about some other things, and... Um, we actually get the, uh, the the laughing bug there at the end, and you'll see what I mean. So yeah, after you're listening to the rest of this episode, go check out Kyle Thompson's podcast called Undaunted Life. Thanks again, Kyle. all right well thank you guys for staying with us this long uh we just had kyle thompson on for for the interview and um his time was limited and so we we did want to uh honor that and so we saved our follow-up for the end of the episode because hey what better way to follow up an episode than with follow-up am i right <laughs> yeah, I I haven't quite deciphered if I have any follow up from this episode quite yet, but I'm sure I'll jump in there if I think of something. Yes, we might have some semi real time follow up because we're actually recording this a few hours after we recorded the earlier part. But hey, that's what all that clapping is for. By the way, that is a new uh, a new function of Daudio. Is <laughs> that Daudio? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh my goodness okay so that would be fun. Uh, that would be uh 
So Justin, Justin is is working on this. Uh, we had some fun, albeit technical difficulties earlier during the recording, but mm-hmm. his future editing of this podcast will definitely fix all that. But we have some fun yeah. little buttons we can push that we are very tempted to push more often than we should, and uh, yeah. so we'll we'll try to we'll try to obey the less is more rule about that. But um, <laughs> moving on uh, to our follow up at the end of the episode, uh, we have a giveaway a giveaway winner you if you will and uh yes yes and so um so that winner i know that you are all super dying to hear it i don't know why (laughs) i don't know why i thought that was a drum roll <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like that was a joke. joke. This yeah. is for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, I was thinking that was a drum roll. Man, well, the joke landed. It was <laughs> always landed from now on. <laughs> Lots of editing to come. <laughs> No, leave this man. This, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I will be breathing soon. <laughs> All right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, it's a comedy podcast. <laughs> it, sure, it sure is. We're different now. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. This is free too. This is free. <laughs> the value that you people are getting. Yeah. Tell you what, it's something else. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe drinking some water will help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Justin's like, what is going on? <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long week, guys, and I it needed, has been a long week. I, 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 needed, I needed that anyway, and we're still recording, still totally Ooh. going live. We'll <laughs> say that for posterity, anyway. And <laughs> the winner is Brad Bienhoff. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. I have a thing. There we go. We were all pulling for you, Brad. We were all, we were all, <laughs> we were all pulling for you. We Brad. are very thankful for all of you who um, have sent in uh, recommendations for the show over the years. And we really appreciate uh, each and every one of you and look forward to doing many more shows. So uh, thanks. And Brad, if you'll just uh, get in contact with, one of us or all of us, uh, and let us know the method of delivery. Um, I'm really hoping you say cassette tape. I'm, I'm, we're all we're all pushing for cassette tape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, we will get that out to you. Uh, so uh, just kind of we're we're we uh, are still would love for if you missed the giveaway, please. So leave us a five-star review um, because you should know how hard we work to cut out all of the quality content that is not very quality, <laughs> the low quality content that doesn't make it into the podcast. Yeah. And I don't know what is happening tonight, but the tickle bug just really got us. And we have 
had a hard time not laughing. Um, mm. The conversation that we just had with Kyle, super serious. That was a super fun, really intense conversation about manliness. And now we're in the follow-up and we're just giggling little girls. But... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you listening at home, you're like, what just happened? Some light switch. And now, now we get, we get what we're used to. So, um, I'm going to turn the floor over to Grant and we're oh, going to talk about some of right. the, some of the, some of the follow-up that, uh, we, we do have, have from, some follow-up from the last episode. Yeah. Um, from the last episode here, we do, um, have a little bit to talk about. First off, um, you know, this is kind of, kind of interesting, but listener Brad, uh, on Slack, did reach out and he uh, he said this episode feels like it could have referenced James K. A. Smith. You are what you love a lot, particularly his idea of cultural liturgies. Um, do you have you guys read that book or know of it? I think we've mentioned it on the show once or twice. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with it. Okay, mm-hmm. he wrote this book called uh, "You Are What You Love," and in it. He does a really good job, I think, of dissecting a lot of the problems with uh, the church. Um, It's focused on, uh, and really, the church and the world, right? So the world is very much looking at um, how it can shape people, which is in itself a liturgy, he says. So his big example is that of the mall. And people go to the mall. They are presented with various images of the good life. And these images of the good life are people enjoying the products that the stores there offer. And he casts these stores as little chapels where you can go in and, um, you know, bring your, bring your offering and then be uh, attended by the priests of whatever uh, particular store you are patronizing or whatever chapel you're patronizing and then uh, leave your gift at the altar. And, you know, you're not left without anything. you you get to take home, you know, this item that uh, will help you um, associate with and grow uh, this uh, particular religion in, you know, in your own life. And it, it really is a fascinating concept. And I, I think he does pretty well pegging how cultural liturgies shape us. Uh, ironically, I feel like James K. Smith has since been shaped by those cultural liturgies, but we can leave that for another day. And his solution is not, you know, what I, it's definitely not the re- regulative principle of worship. He kind of creates his own um, based on imagery and uh, all the t- kinds of things he sees affecting what works in a cultural liturgy. Um, I find that interesting given that um, Christ has already given us baptism in the Lord's Supper, but I guess it's not enough. It, it still is a good book. I would I would still recommend reading it. Um, but with that kind of background in mind, I think what Brad is maybe getting at here is that appropriate emotional connection and that appropriate memorability. Are we being shaped in ways that are out of the Bible and mm-hmm. describe the good life in terms of biblical worldview, or is it? Uh, something that is more uh, shaped by shaping us in terms that the world might use, right? Yeah. So that's something that we definitely want to watch out for. So we also did have a little bit more conversation about uh, the universal Christ. Remember we talked uh, last time that 
uh, what's his name from DC Talk is now an yeah. ex-evangelical. Yeah, Kevin Max. Kevin Max. Yeah, I've already forgotten his name. Um, <laughs> well, he was he was know, the he, least successful of the three. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I guess you know now it's not paying anymore, and so he had to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we talked about there though was his this concept he had mentioned in I, I think it was the tweet thread that we posted. If you didn't see that, you know, you're not missing much, but he did mention like he follows something like called the universal Christ or something like that. Right. I didn't understand exactly what that was. Um, but hopefully listener, uh, Andre, uh, Ratchison talked about it. He said that, and maybe you guys talk about this, but universal Christ is a reference to Richard Rohr's teaching. I assume I know many Christian artists, Christian is in quotes, uh, who went down that route. And uh, that very well may be exactly what he's talking about. Now, I didn't know who Richard Rohr was, but mm. Brad Beinhoff helpfully came in and uh, stated that Richard Rohr is also responsible for syncretizing the Enneagram into church culture. So mm. he's the one who kind of like helped br- usher in sort of this synchristic Enneagram type stuff within to the, the church. And is he the Episcopalian guy? Yeah, I want to say he's like that. Yeah, um, I'll say this. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Doreen Virtue, but uh, she covers the New Age really well. She's an ex-New Ager, and mm-hmm. she talks about the origins of the Enneagram and does a really good job. So if you just go to YouTube and search for Doreen Virtue Enneagram or Richard Rohr, I'm sure it will come up, but uh, really interesting stuff. He's a strange cat for sure. He, Yeah, he's actually a Roman Catholic. Um, Real time follow up. Yep. He's uh, actually from Kansas. um, So who Mm. knew? But uh, that's all coming out of Wikipedia. Just had to look him up right uh, quickly. Anyway, so that's a few points of follow up. Thank you so much for writing in and helping us know uh, where we might be able to uh, push the show a little bit further and correct the mistakes that we made. You can do that too, or discuss this show or many others on our Slack team, which is uh, the Tech Reformation. We're part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and we have a channel on there called Balm and Gilead. Uh, you just go to slack.techreformation.com and you can sign up and join us there. Or where else can we see it? Justin? Yeah, you can come hang out with us on uh, Sound and Worship, the Worship Music Discussions group on Facebook, if you have Facebook. Yeah. I think I just checked. We had like 993 members. Oh, so man. Just need like Who's going to push more. us over 1,000? Yeah. Come, come on in. And as uh, long as you don't come in there and uh, start promoting Bethel and Hillsong and stuff like that, then yeah. um, wipe your you shoes at the around. door. Right. <laughs> uh, also, yep. uh, if you want to drop us a line at there is at balmcast.com, that is our email address. And I am most likely to respond to that since I don't have Facebook. And I social media distance for the most part anyway. Um, so yeah, those are definitely the, the best ways to, to get in touch with us. Uh, again, if you like the show, please uh, help us grow by leaving us that, that five-star review and the rating. Um, and uh, tell your friends. If you are yeah. a fan of Kyle Thompson, um, if, if you are listening to the show because Kyle has invited you to listen to it, Thank you. Uh, welcome. Yep. And uh, please uh, just check out our, our backlog um, and, uh, and share us around. And uh, 
we uh, we appreciate all of that help as well. And uh, with that, I just would like to close us out by saying, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you over evil of victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. To never feel discouraged, for Jesus is your friend. For listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balm and Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback. So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. So is the uh, is the after credit scene just going to be five minutes of me laughing? <laughs> All on. <laughs> Drum roll, else. please. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. I'm just going to save this progress. Mercy! I'm just going to save this progress. <laughs> it is saved. All that. All that is saved. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Mm. Oh. This is no. how we should end every show right here. <laughs>